April. And I'm Steph. And you're listening to The Thirst. This is our podcast about pop culture where we talk about movies. Boys. <laughs> Boys. Books. TVs and other stuff. Podcasts. Televisions. Televisions. We talk about televisions. We talk about cable TV. <laughs> did you ever have cable? Uh, I think I did. Oh, I, we just had Sky. Yeah. Is that up. not the same? Uh, no, it's not the same. Okay. Cable was Is N- there a cable? Yeah, involved? cable was NTL. Oh, no, I think we did have NTL. Anyway, this is... Dial-up modems. Dial-up modems. Yeah. Sky TV. This is episode 14. Numero... No. No. I don't think I have any jokes about 14. No, I don't. Um, No. No. We're teenagers now. Our podcast is a teenager. It's officially a teenager. Exactly. Still can't go and see 15 rated films. No, no. So we, we just have to review 12 A's. And that's it. <laughs> Twelve A's and below. Um, you can find us online. We're on Twitter at the Thirst, SoundCloud.com forward slash the Thirst Pod, iTunes. You can search for us the Thirst. Instagram. We're at the Thirst Pod. If you want to email us, you can do with the Thirst Pod at gmail.com and our Tumblr is of course thirstpod.tumblr.com. Um, if you want to leave us some reviews, then you please do so on iTunes. That's That'd an, be great. That would be great. That's an apparently an important thing that helps us get into charts. <laughs> actually, people to actually notice us. We want to go in the charts again. Oh, we tasted the highlights. Oh, it was so good. And we've not been back. I kept that screenshot. Yeah, it's, I found it on my phone the other day and got really sad because it's nearly a year since we started doing the podcast and we've just not tasted highlights <laughs> like it before. <laughs> only, the first, only the first time. So that's fine. Yeah. And I also think that um, people should maybe send us some suggestions of topics they'd like us to cover. Oh yeah, we're yeah. open to that. Yeah, I think yeah, we'd like some. What topics would you like us to cover in 2018 that aren't like massively depressing topics? Yeah, we were just saying send that um, we need to start stop talking about really depressing stuff. The world in pop culture is quite depressing at the moment. Um, again, which we'll probably come on to at some point. I just can't help it. It has to come up somewhere. I know, but it would be nice to not talk about someone yeah, being would. a dick, wouldn't it? Yeah. So um, we're open to suggestions. Please send us emails, tweets. Something fun. Something fun. Something fun that you want us to talk about. Yeah, we're open to that. Yeah, we'd love that. And uh, people yeah, we'll try and work keep, it into our very busy schedule. We keep getting asked about our opinions about depressing stuff. I've never known anything like it. It's so funny. It's like we're official correspondents Correspondent. People are like, oh, you've got a podcast. I've just discovered you've got opinions. Um, what's your... Please give me your thoughts on the fact that this celebrity person is a dweeb. And our our response is, he's a dick. He's a dick, so... I think he's... Yeah, I just think he's a piece of shit. I don't really have any other opinions, so... So any optimistic, happy uh, suggestions you have, please send them our way. Um, So a little bit of pop culture news for 2018 um it's been a while oh yeah it's It's our first it's been a quite a while technically our first podcast of the year we did our end of year list didn't we but this is our first official that was like new year's eve non-retrospective yeah exactly and uh a lot has happened a lot of stuff i can't remember a lot of stuff i don't care about so much has happened um the most important thing that's happened (laughs) is that uh tom hardy's long lost mixtape was on earth (laughs) Um, which is just extremely important news for everyone. Uh, the name of Tom Hardy's um, mixtape is Tommy Number One and Eddie Too Tall Falling yes. on Your Ass in 1999. Falling on Your Ass, that's it, yeah. So this was a mixtape that Tom Hardy uh, made in the 90s um, because he had a rap career before he had this a big made, acting career. This made me cringe so much. His rap name is Tommy Number One, and of course he is the number one Tommy. Um, he. <laughs> so. This has just been unearthed. Is he the number one Tommy? He's my number one Tommy. He's not your number one Tommy, obviously. Obviously Thomas Shelby from Peter. (laughs) (laughs) 
Sorry, husband, Thomas Uden. <laughs> yeah, so this was up. This was uploaded to Bandcamp. Um, it's actually come down from Bandcamp now. Clearly, it was just it probably blew up so big that they were like can't handle the fame. I tried to look for it earlier. To yeah, just so did I. Refresh my mind, and it's gone. But on the Bandcamp, there's a thing where it says it's disappeared, but we're looking to do an official release. Oh my god! Which imagine makes me... if they release that on record. I think they're going to. It would be like one of the twelve records I own. Yeah, exactly. Well, you'd have to on um, all variations. <laughs> So good. Um, so being interviewed about this, he's mm-hmm. been asked about it since Tom Hardy says that he was never any good. He insists he was never any good, yeah. which is, you know, it's actually not as terrible as you'd think. It, it wasn't as be. bad as I thought it was going to be. I thought it was going to be like his um, like Vine level of, you know, when um, he did those Vine videos, yes. which are brilliant, but they are super cringe. I thought it was going to be like that, but actually it's not as bad as that. The production's okay. <laughs> but um turns out that he was actually, back in the day, in the 90s, he was mani- he was he had a manager, um, and he was managed by the same person who handles Lauren Hill and the Fugees. Sure. <laughs> and he worked with Grammy Award winning producers. 1999 was a simpler time, wasn't right? it? Apparently there's a whole back catalogue of his stuff out there that hasn't been released. I hope it comes out. It's 18 songs long, isn't it? Yes, it's a long, it is a long mixtape, actually. Mixtapes right usually are long. Yeah. Have you got some of the song names? Because I have. No, please, please recite Well, them. the only two that I've got here are... Um, the highlights. These are <laughs> your favourites. This came from a news article. It says, uh, the album, Falling on Your Ass in 1999, <coughs> is no less than 18 songs long. And no less, but no more. No less, no more. And features songs such as Doe Back Again and Dr. Livingstone. <laughs> And then they make some like allusion to the fact that it could have been a precursor to the um, the streets. Because, oh my god! Um, original part material came out three years later. Is he I the OG? Is he Tom maybe is. Maybe I think is. someone's grasping at straws. Imagine there. if it was Tom Hardy and not Mike Skinner. That was the the streets was actually Tom Hardy. <laughs> He'd love that. I think he's he's got no sense of shame. I do like how he can. He is continually the gift that keeps giving on multiple levels. Especially his MySpace. His MySpace. Those lovely pictures of him in those Y front pants. We just great. we talk about his MySpace page all the time. It's just so good. Like with the comb over haircuts, the Vine videos. There's, I like the one with the, the the MySpace picture of him in the trucker hat. Yes, that was a personal. Tommy favorite. loves a trucker hat in the way. Have, have you got him on Instagram? I started following. The boy him. has no grasp of grammar it's whatsoever. Weird, I mean, is he? Is it a new account? Yes, it's quite new. Because it came up in my. Yeah. You know how Instagram now is just trash and keeps putting yeah. random accounts into your timeline to follow them. Mm-hmm. Annoying that is. Um, Tom Hardy came up. Yeah, I'm not mad at that. That's fine. Um, and I thought, oh, is this like a weird fan account? No, it's the real but deal. It's the real no deal. one writes that badly except Tom Hardy. Um, it's quite. I like it because he he loves taking selfies. He's such a hard man. Loves taking selfies. He's I'm an so absolute into t- You know how we got deeply invested in Luke Evans. Instagram I was account? literally about to say he's like Luke Evans level of tart. He's such a tart. I just I it's so good. Um, and on a related note, actually, I texted you about this earlier when I was at the gym that um, Idris Elba also has a rap name. Uh, because apparently he's a rapper and a DJ. Did I'm you sure. know this? No, I don't think I did. Idris Elba is a rapper and a DJ. I haven't listened to his music. It just contains uh, multitudes. But his rapping up. So Tom Hardy is Tommy number one, and uh, Idris is a uh, Big Driss. Big Driss. <laughs> Big Driss. So um, I think Big Driss is probably cooler than Tommy number one. Yeah. Do you think it's so white boy, isn't it? Tommy, Tommy number, number one's one. a bit like gangster number one. Oh, it's just it's really white Ooh. boy. It's a bit embarrassing, but we'll definitely link to it. I mean, the to the. 
tape itself has been taken down from Bandcamp, but it's definitely why. on YouTube. Someone's ripped the audio of it. Um, so we'll definitely link I to it. I bet they did that within 30 seconds. I mean, like... I don't understand. I mean, the fact that there's like, you can still find his MySpace account despite the fact that it's down. Like, <laughs> people are like, shit, going to get this before it gets taken you've down. You've got to, you've got to just, yeah, you've got to ride the wave of it. It's, um, it's really something. So um, he just, I just love that he keeps doing it. It's always nice when someone does something funny and yeah. nice that you can laugh about rather than depressing. Yeah, it? and he's so. not that, I don't think he, I don't think he, I don't think he embarrasses easily. Do you easily. think it's... So just I, nothing he's embarrassed I just about. love how unfazed he is. Yeah, he's just not bothered. He's so like, yeah, okay, that's the thing I did. And had a rap career, had a really weird MySpace profile. Yeah, and um, you've probably done weird Some things. of my acting jobs earlier on for daytime TV were really, really questionable oh, and a bit yeah. dangerous. Yeah, he's just got no shame, and I do like that. I like that about, about him. him. Well he's, done, Tom Hardy. He's trashy and he knows it, which You're is always a, a thumbs Trash up. bag and we love you for it. Yeah. On a completely different note, um, I just wanted to talk about uh, the trailer for the Heather's TV reboot. Like, the the thing that no one ever asked for was well, a, a TV reboot of Heather's, the so film. The, the film Heather's is like, if you're going to be talking about like 80s teen films, so Heather's is probably good. one of my, it's not amazing. my favourite. I love Winona Ryder. Yes. At the time, it's like Christian Slater in his prime. Yes. It's just so clever. Mm-hmm. And I don't know why we need to have it as a as a TV show, especially not in the way that it's being. It's so yeah, it's so weird. the The trailer has come out, came out this month, um, and I think generally the reaction to it has been concern. Um, so, the I guess the the main point is that um, the Heather's of the film, who are all spoiled white rich girls, they must be white girls, are have been replaced um, by. I guess marginalised groups. So there's a plus size girl, there's uh, someone who identifies as non-binary and there's an African-American girl. So the Heathers have essentially become the kind of the margin, they're represented as like yeah, marginalised it's, groups. It's made even worse by the fact that Veronica is a is a white girl. Yeah. A blonde white girl. Yeah. So sure. they've just swapped it over and for some reason they seem to think that this is a good idea. Um, most people, I think, would argue that it's extremely irresponsible. Um you know, if it follows the main premise of the film, does that basically mean that all the marginalised members of school are going to get loads of power and then get murdered? Well, I... I've got a quote here. So there was an article, when I was Googling it, the reaction to it was just obviously like, what the fuck is going on? And then I found an article on um, Entertainment Weekly, which is um, from the showrunner, Jess- Jason um, yes. M- Mikulov. Yeah. And he said, the main thing to take away really is I don't view the Heathers as the villains. The three Heathers are incredibly powerful and ruling the school they're the people you would want to be in the original film the heathers were the ones i always loved and it's the same with the series the heathers are the aspirational characters mm-hmm. the underlying thesis of the small segment that people have an issue with the fact that they're the villains mm-hmm. the villain is jd that's the same in the movie the same in our show and then he says the reason i changed the heathers to so heather's surface identities is i think today the characterization rings true today all types of people are more aspirational people that wouldn't have necessarily been considered the most popular kids in school in 1988 could very well be and probably most likely are the more popular kids today also because it's a tv show we have so much more time to explore their characters and get behind it of course no one's seen the tv show yet once they see it i think they'll get what we're talking about i think that peed me off when i watched the trailer is there was a fact that the there's like a they keep cutting between like scenes from the school and yes. the staff talking. Yeah. And one of the staff says like, "Oh, I didn't know fat girls could be popular." Excellent. Makes something about yeah, that. Makes um, or like makes some derogatory comment about Asians being popular. 
I just like thanks for your and like, says like how the gays aren't popular now. It's like you have to have like no queer identity. It just made yeah. me so. I watched it twice because I watched it first and was like, this has to Are be a joke. Are you sure? Yeah. Then I watched it again and I was like, no, they're very serious about this. And while I appreciate the prominence of like characters that otherwise would have been marginalised mm-hmm. in the past, to then put them as the villains seems so stupid. To of course me. it is. I mean that's just sim- that's you're making them simple. the bad guy when yeah. they then they have historically been given nothing but grief yeah. and making this like skinny white girl yeah. the the you know person that's going to be enacting revenge on them that seems so trashy it's completely oh, it's yeah, like, oh a poor completely you know. the wrong way around he seems to think that like oh your like simple like surface level interpretation of it isn't it you need to give it a chance and it's like if the surface level interpretation is bad i don't think the other there was nothing like, some sort of deeper dig into it is going to be any better for me the only redeeming thing from this trailer is that they use tainted love by marathon yes <laughs> right right and i was like oh cool fine but i could yeah. just watch that another teen movie and it <laughs> right fine. That's exactly what I was this thinking. idea that um like his take that the idea of what is and isn't popular has changed in 30 years i mean how the fuck would he know firstly as a white male adult person who hasn't been in school for a long time i would argue i doubt it has changed that much the thing that they could have done is just given those characters more prominence in other roles yeah you know it's gonna be what it reminds me of actually quite a lot um but I think this is worse, is it's got the same kind of um, feeling as Scream Queens. Oh, okay. Which could be a little bit... It will actually, Scream, Queen, Scream Queens is annoying, but not that bad, but it has the same kind of tone as Scream Queens. Right. Except it's kind of just taken it to the nth degree, because at least in Scream Queens, like, the villainous girls are your yeah, kind of typical I mean, villainous girls. But um, so this we, just seems like it's entirely wrong yeah i mean i get i get illustrating the differences between heathers which came out 30 years ago and now what it's like to be a teenager in 2018 but i just think there are other things that you could have done if you were so desperate to do a remake there are other ways you could have updated it i think this is gonna get panned pretty quick yeah i'm really intrigued to see what the reaction is when the episodes actually air um i personally won't be watching it yeah i I feel like i'm gonna watch one episode so that i can oh you love a teen drama so yeah it's not it's definitely not something i'm gonna I don't think I'll want to watch all of it at all. I think I'm going to watch the first episode because I'm just so morbidly curious about it. Just, I just want to feel it and go, yeah, no, that was as shit as I thought it was going to be. I really, there's no way I think this is going to come no, out well. I, and it's also not going to carry on. I think it will get panned pretty quickly. I bet it doesn't even make it to mid-season. Yeah. And um, finally, on the news front, um, we have some sad news. It's um, We discovered this week that Chris Hemsworth may not be returning as Thor. Steph McKenna thoughts. It's like he's died, really, isn't it? Um, I feel very sad. I'm, yeah, I'm. I'm still trying to maintain some. I've done a lot of digging. Obviously, I did digging too. What's your digging? Um, my digging is that it's not. It's not completely. I didn't. I don't feel as angry at him as yeah, I did. I think you know the Daily Mail has pushed this a bit far by <laughs> acting like he's never coming back. Like, so Chris Hemsworth. Con- Chris Hemsworth's contract has been fulfilled for Thor. Now he's done his four Avengers films. They're wrapped. That's obscene. That's I know, right? <laughs> Four. Four. I didn't. I mean, we've had we've actually seen two, right? So great. So there's two more. Um, he's done his Thor films. That's that's that. He said that he'd like to take some time off. He wants to be with his family. He's taken this year off, um, for sure. Um, but I mean, Robert Downey Jr.'s contract was technically fulfilled quite some time ago for Iron Man, and yeah. that kept coming. So I don't think Marvel were going to want to 
get rid of Thor in any way. And I don't think he's 100% done no, with it. No, I might think not see it for the a thing while. that when I was reading about it, I, there was an interesting one of the articles I read. There was said um, how he discussed doing a fourth instalment with Taika Waititi. Mm-hmm. They, they celebrate the idea that he celebrated New Year's with Taika makes me die as well. Yeah, but they I wish said I was that. over New Year's they talked about maybe doing a fourth one, like you know, this type of thing that could happen because I guess the the Taika Waititi version of Thor in Ragnarok is kind of a little bit of a rebrand. Yeah, a lot a funnier. I don't know. I I enjoyed that so film good a lot more. I think we all know how we feel about that. Yeah, so, so good. I would be really keen to see a second film from the pair of them. Yeah. Um, but I also totally understand how, considering he's been part of the Marvel and the Avengers machine for years it's now. like seven years I just feel like you must get else. a bit bored and that's it and those films are quite labour intensive to film as well you must spend so much time away from home there was a part in an article where he was talking about how he just wants to spend more time with his kids who are five and three and a half the twins aren't they mm. and he was saying how like he just got really fed up of leaving them like mm. going away and they would be really really sad and begging him to stay yeah. and he'd be like I can't I've got to go away yeah and, and the I fact just... that yeah they've already wrapped number four for Avengers is like we haven't even had number three out so they're obviously just constantly no filming. I didn't realise they were doing so there's infinity wars this summer isn't it and then mm-hmm. the next one's next year yeah i didn't realize so we have got quickly. this is why i'm trying really hard to maintain some positivity because we've got another two years of him being thor but the thing is we could just watch other chris hemsworth films we like, could i mean he's still gonna act like we by could the go time he has a year off we'll still be watching the new avengers films anyway so right. just He'll, come back and do some like as long as he does some promotion let's do some heavy drama next i'd like him to do some make sure he does good promotional um tours and also any other films that are not the the horse film which he's currently in yeah horse war films we're not as fussed about no not especially modern horse war no, films. no 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 even no, if it has no, got michael no. shannon I, yeah i don't think i want to see that no the horse not war even for films. chris hemsworth maybe we'll just rewatch. Clips you just of. watch it on mute. Yeah. I like doing that sometimes. Just to put a film on on mute in the background. Or we could just wait till Ragnarok comes out on DVD. Yes. And just watch that oh, repeatedly. I just want to rewatch it again. Yeah. It's so good. But so, I'd like to see him in... Do you know what? I'd quite... Yeah, I'd like to see him in some greasier movies, maybe. I'm worried that he's getting... I think, as well, it must be creatively stifling to just be doing action. Who are you? Like, You're do Thor. superhero movies. Because when I think of Chris Hemsworth, I just think of Thor. Yeah. And he's probably more than capable of doing other stuff. Has he been, I can't even remember what well, else he's been in. I now. saw. Have you seen the film Rush? Yes, but not for. A, he's yes. very good in. That. Yeah, he is good in that. Actually. He's very good in that. I enjoyed that. Yeah, for a like a Formula One film or whatever. For a film it is, about a sport, I give no shits about. No, he was, there are very he was delightful. Few, yeah, there are very few. He was brilliant in Ghostbusters. About. He was so good. I like funny Chris Hemsworth. Lusting big time after. I would watch a funny comedy film with him in. He yeah he works quite well with comedies doesn't he? Yeah. He's very good at being goofy. God, he's just so handsome. Handsome dummy. Just can't even. Ugh. Don't, um, don't go away for too come long. Come back. Course. Come back. But definitely spend some time with your kids, your family. I guess. I guess I understand that. I guess. It's guess fine. you've got other priorities. I guess um, it's fine. Um, I've got one final piece of news, and it's that um, it's the anniversary of you being cloned on the internet. Can we just? <laughs> oh my god. Can we just? This is technically pop culture. Please tell the story of how um, someone basically like catfished you, but. I didn't catfish me. I, I used you that. You were the clone. Oh, fuck me. I used that app, Timehop. Lila, like, whatever your name is. I like using Timehop to show me what I was doing this time last year. Mostly it's funny because I see like times of year where I'm obviously feeling pretty gloomy. Like all of my January things are like, oh, I'm just really depressed. 
Oopsie. Um, yeah, January's tipped off. So it's just kind of nice to see how long ago stuff was. And from a pop culture point of view, it's cool as well because I tend to just tweet and post about like what I'm watching and reading and whatever. So it's yeah. nice to be like, oh my God, it's five years since I did that. But this week I got um, a, a thing on Time Hop that it was three years since... Um, someone notified me that um, someone had stolen one of my Instagram pictures and set up a fake Twitter account. Was um, it your name like Lila? Or it was something? Lila Stone. Lila Stone! It's like a character out of a YA novel. And all of my um, time hops from that particular day this week were me just relentlessly tweeting them, being like, hi, can you take this down? Do you know what the worst part was? Is that when I had to notify Twitter, I had to send them like a picture of my passport to, to prove, prove that, that I, was, I was who I was. I just love that someone nicked your identity. They just thought you were so cool, April, I had that they sc- wanted to pretend to be you. The picture itself was like a really like cringy selfie in an H&M... Um, <laughs> a fitting room where I'm wearing like a national t-shirt I hope they set it up on Tinder as well no I don't want to make you paranoid but um, no that's gross I hope it was set up as so like a dating so three profile. years since that happened so everyone should be really aware of the fact that someone probably has stolen all your pictures and is probably impersonating you it's fine I'd like to be on Catfish yeah but only if Max was going to be there because I think that Neve's insufferable yeah Neve went downhill quite rapidly you know how we used they? to be really pro Neve so pro Neve at the beginning and then now I just I find him no. awful he is I mean he's done some pretty shitty stuff as well but, yeah um, so just be aware everyone that someone probably is using your identity to impersonate someone else Lila Stone um, and if you want to get in touch with Twitter about it's an absolute nightmare so be prepared for at least that. they believed you imagine if they were like no the other person was taking a passport photo me. as well they'd just like done a copying and paste and like photoshopped a passport uh, and uh, the internet is full of freaks um beware so um on to what we've been enjoying and what we're looking forward to um we have i the thing with january that i quite like is it's an opportunity to like watch loads of new stuff because yeah, delayed releases um that we get late here versus the their like us release dates um before award season as well we tend to get a flurry of things and that's definitely been the case recently Mm -hmm. and something we both saw and you saw again last night in fact um was three billboards outside of ebbing missouri yeah um it's written and directed by uh, martin mcdonough who did in bruges seven psychopaths and the guard Mm -hmm. um it stars francis mcdormand uh, woody harrison sam rockwell um i've written caleb landry jones because i love caleb landry yeah do you know what he creeps me out less now he's He's well, I'm still not sold on whether he's handsome, but I felt physically repulsed by him in Twin Peaks. Like, okay, it fair. really upset me, and I don't feel physically repulsed by him here. Okay, so he's we're very good in up. this film. He's so... very good. Yeah, so the film, um, for those that don't know, is um, the story of a grieving mother. Um, her daughter is quite horrifically uh, raped and murdered, and um, over the following months, um, sort of seven months or so, um, she feels this mother feels like her uh, the local authorities the police in her kind of small uh, american town um have not been doing enough to investigate and not doing enough to solve the case so she um actually takes out three billboards um three advertising billboards to embarrass them um and ask the question why hasn't anything been done yet to solve this i mean it kind of sets off a chain of events that are very, very funny and very, very dark. They're very once. in line with the and rest of like, Martin McDonald's Yeah, they are. It's, the tone is completely kind of what you'd expect. Yeah. Um, I I really enjoyed it. Mm-hmm. Um, and I had kind of reading all the... Like, where where we are now with it is that it's obviously had a lot of... It's had loads of awards nominations. Mm-hmm. It's had loads of really positive reviews. And it's now getting a bit of backlash for... Um, 
some of its kind of sort of representational issues, some of the issues with some of the characters. Um, and I kind of went into the film again last night with those in mind, and I actually came out still feeling okay about it. Okay. So um, I don't, I don't think it's as well. I can say this, can't I? But for me personally, my take of it is it isn't as bad as I think some people are criticizing it for. Um, I do really enjoy it. It's definitely one of those films that um, you're kind of laughing, but in shock. Yeah, I mean, I I enjoyed enjoyed it a lot more than I thought I was going to. Mm -hmm. I was really um, apprehensive going into the cinema, having heard about the kind of vague backlash about the film itself and Mm -hmm. some of its content. Um, I was very, like, I don't know already on the fence about whether how you know what my enjoyment was going to be and I did I, I did really really enjoy it the pacing of it was really good it's a really standout performance from Frances McDormand who just like I think she always consistently knocks it out of the park mm. um so it has been quite good that she's received such um kind of accolades her facial expressions system. are just I mean I think the script is like pretty tight for her but like her the way she just like moves and the way her face acts is just she's just an all-rounder on that Mm -hmm. front like her delivery of the script is just so like vicious so dry witty and dry but then she just does so much with a look Mm -hmm. um you know there sam rockwell um received the golden globe for his um role as dixon um best supporting actor he won for um and i did like his performance in Mm -hmm. it it's very sam rockwell Mm -hmm. um he's an actor whose work i like as well um Dixon tends to be the character who a lot of the criticism has fallen on. So that's the main criticism. And I I completely understand the the criticism. Um, I I enjoyed the film, but I do understand the reading where it's sort of like he's... He appears to have been given like a little bit of a redemption. um, And I just... I I think that's completely um, understandable. You know, the fact that people have been... It's kind of a weird one. We were discussing it last night. Like, I think... Um, his character is kind of brilliant portray- brilliantly portrayed and it is he's very funny mm-hmm. and he's very kind of goofy in it um, uh, so the uh, a lot of the criticism is that um, he sort of when we were introduced to this character he um, you know there's there's talk in the town of him being um, very racist um, he's attacked a black man in custody Um I don't think anything he does in those first few interactions helps him at all. Um, and he commits some very violent acts throughout the film. Um, and he kind of comes out, I guess he comes, I say he comes out the other side at the end. Okay. I don't know whether he does really, but, um, I don't think it was, I don't know. On second viewing, I didn't find him as clear cut as that really. Um, you can kind of see that his upbringing at home is very um, well, troublesome. His mum is far more. Um, for me, he seemed very much like racist. A, and yeah, I mean, than for he me, is. he seemed like a very much a product of his environment, and given he is. Missouri's sort of location and its its sort of racial politics and general politics. Um, it's, and I guess I think one of the things is none of the characters in the film are sitting on one side or the other in terms of good and bad. Um, well, I mean, he's, his character in particular is posited as kind of a polar opposite to Woody Harrelson's mm-hmm. um, role. I don't think it's one of those things where Dixon's views are kind of correlate with everyone else's. You know, like Caleb Landry mm-hmm. Jones, for example, his character, the guy who's in charge of the advertising and puts up the boards in the first mm-hmm. place. Um, you know, he's a counterpoint to 
to Dixon mm-hmm. in that he's obviously like younger, yeah. probably more liberal with his yes, views, definitely. doesn't let him get away with the fact that he's an absolute, mm-hmm. you know, racist, misogynist, yeah. you know, homophobe. Um, so I think it's interesting that you do have a counterpoint in that particular yeah. character. The only thing I did think was interesting in some of the criticism I've read is that for a film that does talk so largely about its, you know, him being a racist and, and everything, there's a real lack of representation in the film itself, apart from the two roles. Yeah, yeah. And uh, again, I don't know whether that's supposed to be part of the commentary of it or I don't really know. I thought um, it was interesting. fits. No, I mean, I thought it was interesting that... Um, for a film that feels very prescient in its sort of political views and its rep- its representation of of this political mm-hmm. climate, I was intrigued to discover that it was actually the script itself was written eight years ago. Oh, okay, that's interesting. Yeah, so it's not. So I think the thing is, going into it, it's really interesting to watch it. It feels with, very topical. Doesn't it feels it? very topical. It feels very timely given the Trump administration and you know all of the chaos surrounding the political climate in the US at the moment but to actually discover that the script itself was written almost a decade ago I Mm. think is quite interesting yeah that is interesting um I guess one of the I was saying last night actually one of the only things that bothers me a little bit and yet I don't know when I was discussing this with Alex who I went with yesterday he didn't quite see it again the same as me so he had sort of a counter point to it um was Peter Dinklage's character mm-hmm. um he's very much there as um someone with dwarfism who mm-hmm. is a dwarf mm-hmm. um and his character is a dwarf mm-hmm. and they're going to talk about him as a dwarf mm-hmm. um and there wasn't really much apart from the fact that he's got a crush on he this, I, think, this, I felt there wasn't really much else that was kind of that was the butt of the jokes for that and I, I know th- what it kind of meant in terms of that kind of small town small mindedness again but he didn't really do anything else no for me that was one of the things I actually felt a little bit un- uneasy with actually when we it was did just lots of small jokes when and we I did get that it. was supposed to be like you know these people are in the wrong for thinking that but still he didn't actually I think if he'd had a bit more of a storyline that wasn't just that it would have proved the point better he felt purposefully placed there as comedic relief yeah um, to be the butt of the joke and yeah. given that I think Peter Dinklage isn't a very good actor it felt like a little bit of a waste yeah. for me personally exactly I think if there was more of a I don't know if there was a more more of a story to him um, those points in which they are you know he is the butt of the joke I think would have I don't know resonated with me more and made more of a point of how you know this is not okay but because he didn't have anything else if it going on, waste. it was a bit like, okay, well, you're not really proving them. You're not really proving a point other than that he is the butt of the joke. So that felt a bit. That's the only thing actually that was a bit like. Yeah. Mm. I mean, I have I thought about it a lot since we saw it. I mean, tonally, it is very, very similar to a lot of Martin yeah, McDonald's other films. Um, I mentioned in Bruges, and um, you've not seen Seven Psychopaths, have you? I haven't seen Seven Psychopaths. That's no. got another really good Sam Rockwell performance in it. Um, I think In Bruges is exceptionally overrated. Um, in Bruges is a great film. It's I great, it but it was one of those films that I feel like was hyped into oblivion. To when yeah. I finally watched it, I was like, it's fine. It's Colin Farrell. Yeah, I definitely prefer this film. Yeah, absolutely. Whereas I would say Alex last night was saying that he prefers In Bruges and I was like no way I think this is I my think father's standout film this for me feels more um, more padded out I think it's just I think it's a lot better mm. I think that the you know the the subject matter itself is very interesting mm-hmm. I just think the, the 
performances in this um, do go between being really, really funny, but then actually really, really affecting. Mm. There's um, several scenes with, without spoiling it too much, but there's a lot of letter reading. Yes. Um, and those scenes in particular, I felt, were actually really affecting. Yeah, they were really heartbreaking. And actually. they seem to undercut this kind of like darkly comic mm-hmm. tone a lot. So, in, And it switches so quickly as well. Like, you know, there are a lot of films that have the balance of kind of light and dark and funny and um, sort of tragic. Um, but this can turn so quickly yeah, so one and I think you can find yourself kind of laughing and crying at the same time mm-hmm. because some really funny scenes turn really dark really quickly yeah. um, and I didn't quite know at any point where the story was going no and I liked um, that as and well. I really liked that because I, did I enjoy had no idea where that was going to go the narrative wasn't easy to predict which yeah. I really like I don't so I find it really difficult sometimes when you go into a film and you kind of instantly go well this is going to happen isn't it you know mm. there does usually come a point where you can kind of go oh mm. well this is inevitably being set up for it to go in this direction and mm. I didn't I, I did feel actually that this was very good at not letting you predict it, which yeah. I actually really, really enjoyed. Yeah, but I personally, I didn't. On second viewing, um, that kind of reinforced that I, I don't find it as problematic as some people have. Um, specifically, Sam Rockwell's character. I did go in thinking, hmm, when I watch this again, like, will you know, will it kind of make me think? Actually, yeah, it's not okay. I don't think he had was redeemed in the way that I think some people think he was Mm -hmm. um so I think I really benefited from seeing it twice um it's not the reading I got from it but the debate around it has been very very interesting and I feel that any film that creates that much of a conversation obviously hits a nerve with people so yeah um it's been really interesting to see how it's received a lot of um award wins and going into the the Oscars as well it's obviously Mm. a great front runner um which we'll be talking about towards the end Mm mm-hmm um, something I saw uh, last week as another kind of award darling film um, is The Post. It's directed by Steven Spielberg. Um, it stars Tom Hanks, Meryl Streep, Bob Odenkirk, Sarah Paulson, Bladley Whitford, Alison Brie, Matthew Rhys, Jesse Plemons, David Cross, quite an ensemble cast. Yeah. Um, it's about the publication of the Pentagon Papers, which were some secret documents which detailed the US's 30 year involvement in the Vietnam War. Um, Set in 1971, um, it sort of focuses on the Washington Post, in particular, um, Catherine Graham, who took over running of the paper after the untimely death of her husband. Um, He was the previous publisher and owner who'd been given uh, the paper by her father, who um, was in charge before. Um, It's very timely, given it talks about freedom Mm -hmm. of the press and what, you know, what the press should and shouldn't be um sharing what you know what the government's involvement should be in stopping the publication of news um given how timely it was it was insane to think um when i was reading about it that filming only started last really year quick, wasn't it? it was may 2017 and it was released in december in the states last yeah. year so the turnaround time for it's insane um it's a very i mean i love um I love a good journalism based film. Yeah, see I'm not I wasn't I really like uh the cast for this, mm-hmm. but I just kind of don't No, give I a shit I love a, I love a good so, I love a good newsroom. Oh, I'm not really that bothered about the the storyline like I so you no. have to convince me. Yeah, I love a good newsroom drama. I love that that particular period in American history um talks about Vietnam. It's a good precursor to watching All the President's yeah. Men, which it was Sorry, about Watergate yeah. which comes just after actually and there's a nice nod to that um in in the post um because this is set in 1971 and um 
Watergate happened just after and then All the President's Men itself came out in 1976 so it's quite interesting how there's a quick mm. turnaround time on both of those fronts um, I could watch Tom Hanks forever I love him so much and he was very very good as Ben Bradley um, Meryl Streep's exceptional um, it's just a great ensemble cast and I just it it yeah, did. I feel like I could probably enjoy it based on the the, cast the pacing list, of it was but... great. It was two hours. Um, it did. It does feel very prescient, given you know fake news, blah blah mm. blah, all of that that's going on. It, you know what what does it mean to work for a paper, and what do you what should you be publishing, and what you know what's your role in actually making sure that people know the truth about kind of political fuck ups, especially. Mm. Um, Another interesting thing about the film, which is just mad. So um, one of the writers is Liz Hanna. Um, she wrote the script on her own as a spec script to right. post out to agents right. because she wanted to get an agent. Um, wow. And it got picked up by um, Amy Pascal, who's a producer mm-hmm. for, at Sony. Um, it ended up on the blacklist, which is the list of sort of unfilmed uh, screenplays. Yeah, yeah. At the end of 2016. Um, and then it was passed on to... Steven Spielberg. That's crazy. Um, which is just mad. Imagine yeah. writing that as a right. She basically read a biography of Catherine Graham, wrote, thought it would make a good script, thought it would make a really interesting film, wrote a spec script so she could get representation, and then it's been made into a film by Steven Spielberg. That's insane. It's yeah, absolutely. The turnaround mad. time for that as well. That it's must insane. feel like a complete, um, a complete whirlwind. Yeah, well. I mean, I I definitely would recommend watching it if you do like films about news. Like one of my favorite films from recent years is Spotlight. I was going to bring up Spotlight because I really enjoyed Spotlight, but I just I don't this know. is less depressing than Spotlight. Yeah, given the content of it, I mean, it's definitely worth seeing. I mean, yeah, it's it's probably something you could get away with watching at home. Yes, I definitely. Tom and I left, and both were like, well, "We want to watch All the President's Men again." Oh, okay, yeah. So it because that's you that yeah, that's. Of- that's one of my favourite films about news and mm-hmm. newspapers. So it would be an interesting good news to, film. It would be interesting to watch them back to back. But yeah. um, just going into the awards season, it's sort of I'd kind of been quite keen to see it um, because I knew it would be something that would get accolades. So um, yeah, definitely look out for it if you get the chance to go and see it. Um, other things we've both seen recently, but we won't expand on too much. And we both finally watched Logan Lucky. Yes, we the, did. The um, Steven Soderbergh film. We've done quite well over the past few weeks. We have. Of, watching um, films together and watching films simultaneously. Yeah, I love January catch-ups, my fave. Mm. Um, Logan Lucky was, was pretty good. It, it felt, I mean, given it's Steven Soderbergh, it's very Ocean's Eleven, which yeah. I guess is the point. Um, I could honestly just watch Adam Driver and Channing Tatum forever. So I mean, what a pairing, really. They're like delightful. It's also like pairing peak for... Adam Driver. Yeah, the tone it. like the tone of his character is very. He's um, very very. It's good. just he does that so well, doesn't he? Yeah, exactly. I felt that just he was t- Channing Tatum as well. Stand out. Um, we also watched um, Super Dark Times, which is on Netflix. Yes, we did. Yeah, which is a kind of a drama thriller um, directed by Kevin Phillips, who was a cinematographer who I discovered did um, work on music videos uh, like Childish Gambino. Childish Gambino. He did my favorite the three thousand five video. So um, it was kind of creepy, wasn't it? It was a bit. Yeah, weird. it was. It's sorry. There's if you can you can hear guinea pigs in the background. It's my guinea pigs in the background. They're arguing. They've got so many thoughts. They've just that's how they feel about it. <laughs> so so bricks didn't like <laughs> bricks didn't like super dark times apparently and Dana did. Um, yeah, it was I I did enjoy it actually. It's um it's kind of set in the nineties kind of. Um, you know, Walkmans and cable TV, and but it took us so long to work that out, and it yeah. was only when Bill Clinton was on the yeah, we TV were like, oh, we that's were like, where it's set. oh, it's meant to be the nicest. So but... yeah, it's very like pre Columbine. Um, yeah. it's got these two teenage best friends, uh, Zach and Josh, who um 
are very very close friends um and i really kind of got the chemistry between them it i thought sweet. that was really good yeah, really nice. sweet um they kind of are involved in a really gruesome accident um and that kind of propels them into sort of an escalating uh plot of kind of violence um and paranoia um very much about like loss of innocence and growing up and things like that um it was it had quite a good soundtrack i think as well it was really yeah but, um, it was very atmospheric and i mean the reason that we watched it is because i've been reading a thing about like films you may have missed from last year which yeah it definitely went under my radar I they're now on streaming sites and that was one i've that never was heard like, of this it. is the best film you've not seen from last year so um, i enjoyed it. i didn't love it but um, no it was, i don't think i need to watch it again i probably but... never need to watch it again mm-hmm. but it's definitely worth watching if you do like kind of tense thrillers yeah um, especially like stuff to do with like high school and teenagers. Yes, very much so. Um, talking about school as well, we also watched Raw. We did finally, finally watched. Been waiting Raw. to watch that. Um, I'm I was gonna try and pronounce the director's name, but it's French. No, I don't. And I'm awful at it. Um, so she's a woman. Though. Her name's Julia. Hello. Hi, Julia. Um, it was originally called Grave. Fine. Was it? Yeah, I didn't. Didn't. I have that. no idea what that. It's about no, no a um, girl who goes to vet school. Um, she comes from a family of vets. Her sister's at school mm-hmm. as well. Um, she goes to school and undergoes sort of a bit of a hazing um, ritual at the school itself. And then she kind of... She's vegetarian. The whole family's vegetarian. But she suddenly realises that actually she gets a bit she of a taste likes, for meat. Quite likes meat. It was really, really interesting. It was I, very graphic. It was very graphic, which I kind of anticipated because people sort well, of made a big deal about that. We were supposed to go and see it at the cinema last year. We were. Um, for free. We got like tickets to a free screening. Mm-hmm. And then... I can't remember what happened. We just um, go. I think I we both read... Well, I in particular read an article about how loads of people had like left or been sick during the screening. I know. And I think I got a bit scared and I was like, yeah, actually, that's you know I don't need to go and like see a proper exorcist moment. Yeah, I think I was a bit like, oh, I'm not sure if I'm going to enjoy this. At least you can hide behind a cushion at home. Which is know? what I did. I looked at the wall a lot. Yeah. Um, it was interesting. I think I had some really good stand-up performances from the young cast. Yeah. Um, again, it didn't like... It didn't blow me away. It didn't though. blow me away. Um, I think the storyline in itself actually was fairly like... I think that's kind of been done before a bit. That's how I felt. Um, it, and which is... I think it's that is hard with horror films or, you know, films of that ilk to kind of come up with something really original but it i'm pretty sure i've seen that kind of film a few times now i'd been given the impression it was going to be it'd been like really innovative and like you know blew other things out of the water Mm. and then we watched it and i was like this is good and i'm enjoying it for its sort of i guess it's commentary and what it's like to be a girl and Mm -hmm. and just and growing up Mm -hmm. as well yeah yeah yeah. what it's like to go from a home environment to being on your own and all of that stuff but i just at the end of it i was like i'm glad it's finished and i don't think i need to watch it again yeah it was was fine it wasn't i think i actually had higher hopes for it than it it's not that it was bad at all no 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 um i definitely enjoyed watching it but my expectation had been very very high and it didn't i thought i'd missed like one of the best horror films of you know or that's it's been definitely pen as like one of the best horror films of that year and i don't think it was last year i felt very bad that we didn't go yeah because i was out this is going to be a highlight of that kind of genre and actually i think it was kind of not that revolutionary like um something else i watched just for comedy value to i want to mention is i went to see the greatest showman with my mum. oh yes you did didn't you it was so confusing i didn't understand that's had not hasn't had great reviews no tom and i were listening to um kermode and mayo on the way home from london yesterday and kermode was not fast no and his review it's really really funny i just didn't understand what was happening and i love zach efron and hugh jackman hugh jackman's lovely but even even that 
didn't it didn't carry you through no and it was only like an hour and 40 but it oh man like, it felt like a slog oh no because i was so bored your mum loved but it though my mum fucking loved it yeah so total mum fic everyone's mums who i know that seen it have loved it yeah because it has a very much like a moulin rouge vibe yeah but there's old cynical I'll me sitting moulin over rouge. here being like pt barnum was actually really horrible and exploited people quite significantly <laughs> so it's nice that he's hugh jackman but also also why was michelle williams in this film I didn't even know Michelle Williams was in the film. Michelle Williams is in this film. Oh, Why? Did you know Michelle? Michelle? Did you also know Michelle Williams is going to be in Venom? Yes, I did know that, but only because I've been lurking the pictures of Tom Hardy and they've been hanging out. With Isn't that insane? So. But Michelle Williams in The Greatest really Showman. Why? I did not even know. Does she sing? Yeah, can she sing? Yeah, she does. It's lovely because oh. I love her and I've just. Is it like better than the singing in like Les Mis where you go, mm, you can't? Really it's definitely sing. better than the singing in Les Mis. Yeah. Also, Zac Efron's just greatest of all time. So. He is, does he sing? Yeah, of course oh, he sings. Oh, of course sings. he does. High School Musical. Mm. Of course he sings. So, um, TV, what have you been watching recently? Um, I guess the the two things that I've got through the entirety of in January. Mm-hmm. Um, quickly, we watched the season four of Brooklyn Nine-Nine. Oh, sure. lovely. We're in the process Great. of watching season three. Excellent. Good. It's always good. Never goes. I can just turn it on and like not have to think about it. It's just anything. so easy to get through. It's so funny. Captain Holt is like the best ever so good the one-liners are in it are great gina's great gina's the best thing wonderful um so just no complaints there we got no. through it in like a week or something mad because we just watched like with four blitzed. episodes yeah, we yeah. through really quickly just so good hi i'm nicole sarah hillary and we're the hosts of the feminine mistake podcast each month we sit down with a guest to watch movies that are 20 years or older and see how they hold up to today's modern feminist lens why do mermaids have such low self-esteem why is it so funny when men take care of babies what exactly did jenny die of in love story these are the kind of hard questions we ask ourselves on the feminine mistake podcast the feminine mistake podcast now available on apple podcast stitcher and podbean do you guys think that was okay yeah i don't know we sounded kind of shrill Really? Yeah, women's voices are just so grating on the radio. Yeah. Oh, man, you're right. Yeah, I mean, have you ever heard those guys over at the Nerdist or Last Podcast on the left? I mean, they're just biologically more funny than we are. That's so true. Yeah. Um, okay, so I also watched um, the Netflix show that everyone's been raving about, um, The End of the Fucking World, which right. came out on the 5th of Jan on Netflix. It's an eight-part series. I think it was on Channel 4 originally. Um, it's based on a graphic novel by Charles Falsman, um, and it's essentially uh, about uh, two teenage runaways, um, Alyssa and James. Um, James is a kind of self-confessed psychopath, um, and Alyssa's just like moody teenager. Sure. Um, they meet, make friends, um, and sort of run away together and go on a sort of wild, slightly violent adventure involving sure. various evil adults. Mm-hmm. Um, and it kind of ends on a cliffhanger at the end of episode eight. Um, I watched this because I wanted to see Nick Cave's son Earl Cave. <laughs> In, in it and that was pretty much the only reason why that I started watching it and he was that, in one episode that's a fair reason to watch it but I can't believe he's only in one he's, episode literally it's like halfway through I sat and sat and sat and then he was there and I was like cool so he'll join the gang and then I saw on Instagram spoiler. that he was in it and I think I assumed he was in the whole thing yeah. the way we um, were re- raving about it I was like well clearly I was in yeah I, the other day not... I asked for recommendations of something to watch that was sort of relatively short and and I got so many responses back about this, and I everyone's I, raving. Well, about I knew it. that that was going to be the reaction that everyone had. It was you know that would be the thing that people would be like, oh yeah, please watch it, please watch, please watch it, you'll love it. And I I didn't watch it then. I 
I went on to watch something else, which I'll talk about in a second. But I have I have since watched the first episode. You I mean, watched one episode. Yeah, I watched the first episode. I mean, what's your overall feeling on it? Here, so my feeling is that, controversially, everyone's raving about this as, like, the show that you have to watch. And I looked at the hashtag on Twitter and just everyone's raving about it as amazing. Um, I think it's good and fine, but not great. Um, and I think... I think there's there's stuff I really like about it. There's a lot of um, it's very sort of coming of age adventure. Um, there's a lot of themes sort of around kind of vulnerability, um, sex, suicide, murder, rape, bullying, pretty much everything you can think of. Well, yeah, I mean, um, on paper, when I kind of looked at the premise of it, I thought like, oh, that's something. That, like, if it was a book, I would have been like, oh, oh sick. yeah, this yeah, sounds yeah. like something's up my alley. But just based on the trailer alone, which I kept seeing on Netflix, and I kept when we were at home over Christmas actually as well, I kept seeing the trailers for it on like Channel Four and stuff, and I just thought it looked a little bit insufferably quirky in yeah, that yeah. in that like Channel Four comedy kind 100%, of way. A hundred percent. So it's got like a it makes lots of references to kind of American culture and it's got that kind of true romance vibe. Yeah. Which is fine. It's a bit on the nose, but like... Well, I thought that from the first I episode. Know. I just... Yeah, it is very much like, okay, well, I watched Skins when I was younger and now people are watching this. Well, I mean, the, the overall feeling I had from that first episode was like, if I was in college or if I was in my like first year of uni, which was when Skins came out the first time around, um, I would have been super, super into mm. this because it is like very referential of like a lot elements of american pop culture which again on paper is something i'd be super into yeah i i was just watching it just very not cynically but just a bit like i don't understand why everyone loves it so much because it just feels very pedestrian in yeah, that regard. Yeah, like well, it's not it doesn't yeah. feel innovative like the way it uses music like i remember i said to yeah, you after yeah, that yeah. first episode that the the fact that they've kind of purposefully gone for I use old in a loose term, but they've yeah, gone like for kind American. of like not modern music, and it reminded it's like me like American blues and soul. And, yeah, yeah, and that reminded me of Baby Driver in the yeah. sense that yeah. that you know Edgar Wright did that with Baby Driver, but that felt very seamless and relevant to what was just going. Baby Driver. Yeah, well, it felt very seamless and relevant to what was going on in the film, but this just feels a bit felt. I don't know. It just felt mm. a bit. There's been loads of comparisons to kind of Wes Anderson. Again, you could just watch a Wes Anderson film. Yeah, it it's... reminded me. The first episode reminded me a little bit of Submarine. Mm-hmm. Yeah, 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 yeah. The adaptation of the definitely. It's like it's very much. I can kind of see why Americans might be all over it because it's very much rooted in kind of British comedy drama. It's very twee British kind of. It is. It's very quirky. Their dialogues quirky. Yeah, and I actually I'd be interested to see what you think if you carry on watching it because I kind of detested them both at the beginning and I did soften to them, but I didn't like love it and one of the other things that's quite interesting i think and probably just says a lot about us um as weird people is that there were loads there was loads of stuff on twitter people going like i can't believe how like weird this show is it's like the weirdest thing i've ever watched and someone at work actually was talking about it and she was like she'd recommended it to someone else and she was like i warn you though it's super weird it's really not weird i I think in the grand scheme of what we probably watch on the daily it's really no, not weird. I mean, and when you said pedestrian, that's kind of, it's like pedestrian weird. Maybe if it's not the sort of thing that you usually watch. If you're not really into watching weird stuff, I guess this would be quite, maybe quite shocking for you. I mean, it reminded me a lot of Ben Wheatley. Yeah. Ben, ben Wheatley's style of filmmaker, mm-hmm, you know, mm-hmm. sightseers, that, that kind of sort of slightly odd, very blackly comic. Kind really of blackly like, comic. Has like 
uh, like moments of really surprising violence, like you didn't expect it coming and yeah. it's there. But again, I think maybe I'm just like used to that, which is maybe I just think conditioned to be fine I think with that. I just based, didn't find it that odd. I think based on the hype it was getting, I think I was anticipating it to be something more. And I mean, I, like I said, I have only watched the first episode. It is well easy to get to through because it's like twenty episodes, uh, twenty minutes per episode. So well, yeah, I mean, blitz it. That first episode I watched like flew by really quickly, and mm-hmm. I was doing about four other things at the same time mm-hmm. because it's something that you can kind of watch but not have to pay like massive attention mm-hmm. to. So I do anticipate that once I've finished with like all the other TV that I'm watching at the moment. I'll probably just. I reckon she just do it because it. it's worth. I think it's worth seeing, and it's not that I didn't enjoy it. I no, just didn't and that's love it. That's the thing. I didn't. I so didn't... I'm slightly baffled that everyone's like. I don't know. I can totally understand young people being like this. You know, feels quite profound for me. It kind of doesn't for me as someone. Who's yeah, I didn't hate it. I just it wasn't as amazing as everyone had sort of made out it was going to be. But that's, that's. And you know, fine. I love teen television. Well, April, yeah, absolutely. Still... That's fine. I take your opinion as um gospel, thanks. Gos- as li- literal gospel. Um, what else have you been um, giving a go? Just quickly, uh, we're still watching Dark. We haven't finished it yet, so I'll talk about it. Properly. Oh, we need to get around to doing. Yeah, that. when we finish watching it, it is very dark. Mm-hmm. Again, by comparison, like <laughs> actually, end dark. of the fucking world has not got shit on this. Yeah. Um, it's quite complicated. There's a lot of kind of time traveling elements to it. Really, really enjoying it though. I'm fine to binge it. Wesley is having to take breaks in between episodes because he finds it quite heavy going. I so think that I probably I think would problem. need to have a break in between. Yeah, maybe I need like some sort of therapy. <laughs> but yeah, so I'll talk about that next time. Um, and I also started watching finally after waiting my entire life, twenty eight years, um, six feet under. Good. Um, so started How are you watching six it? feet under. Uh, it's great so far. I'm like halfway through season one. So it's amazing. Um, really loving it. We'll have to do like a deep dive at some point. We should. Um, and quite fancy Nate. Nate is so that's good. Nate is very um, very good. The, the the thing. Did you ever watch Dexter? I did, but I didn't watch all of it. I watched oh. the first two. Is seasons it weird? Because I watched Six Feet Under. You just see him as Dexter. Yeah. Now. And when I started watching... Is it the watching, other way around? Well, well I only watched the first series of Dexter because I didn't really understand why everyone loved it so much again. Um, but I think that was the difficulty for me is that I found that it really sort of difficult to disconnect yeah. him from Six Feet Under because I yeah. just watched Six Feet Under so much. It's, yeah. It's really... I can, I'm really excited to be able to binge something in its entirety. Yeah, there are um, so many shows I do that with. In the way I that I did with Sopranos. With. I don't think I've done anything since like that in mm-hmm. the same way because I've obviously caught up and waited for new seasons. Yeah. So it's so nice to do that. Um, and the only other thing I will quickly mention... Um, unfortunately is x-files your dedication to watching the x-files reboot makes me so happy but also sad for you because i know it's not great (laughs) i'm gonna have to have to watch april i have to it's season 11 season 10 was the first reboot um and it was a a split 50 50 good and not good um season this season i've watched three episodes and two of them were shit and one of them was fine. That's so not that a good percentage. doesn't bode well. Um, at this point, I'm watching it because I fancy Mulder and Scully. Perfectly fine. Equally, and would quite like to have a threesome with them. That's and fine. that's literally all I'm... I just feel a little bit like when, when Gillian Anderson herself decides that she wants She's to like, work, Chris. walk away from it. Yeah, Dave, we need to like... That's. Pro- do you think he'll do it on his own? I f- really hope not. Can you, Can imagine, you imagine how a weird spin-off? it would be? The Zed Files, it would be... Oh Fox. god, it would be awful. I just they just need Fox to stop. Mother. And the bit that I really can't deal with is they do the dialogue is like like when I'm talking to you, April, I don't need to 
always say your name, April. Like, hi, April, how are you? Do you think we should go and do this, April? Yes, like, Steph. How hi, are you, Scully. Steph? Like, Did you have a good day, Steph? Yeah, exactly. Okay, and Steph? it's really like, Scully, I don't think, you know, Scully, I'm really up for doing this Mulder. I don't think we should be. But, you know, Scully, we really have to just... Every time you think between them, you think eleven like, seasons Mulder, in, Scully. you probably need to not point out who your main protagonists are. Exactly, because... as if I'm going to get them muddled up. Yeah, well, like, come in. Yeah, sure. Which ones? Wait, which ones? Fox. Which ones? Are... She also never Dana. calls in Fox. Really, it's a disappointment because that's quite a cool name. It's just why weird. would you use Fox as, as his actual name? It's a really it's nice a really name. Cool name. It's if... like his name's like. Trevor. If I ex- Trev Lionel. Yeah. If I if I had a friend called Fox, I would be calling them Fox, Fox. All, all the, the time. time. I can kind of get Scully. Although Dana's a very pretty name as well. Dana's a lovely name, but Scully's cool. Yeah, they've got cool names, and I fancy them both. Um, that's literally the only reason I'm watching this. Well, um, that's fine. It's quite painful, um, and I just don't think it's going to get any better. So, can we stop so that I don't have to watch it? Yeah, there's no. I reason. think yeah. I think that they'll probably not be able to do it now she's going. But oh my god, I hope. Who not. knows? Um, so, do you talking about things where you watch it because you fancy someone? Um, <laughs> when I ask for people to recommend me something to watch, my my sort of requisites had been like it has to be short and a comedy. But I ended up. We what, love short programs and films. Yeah, don't we, I think it's because I was waiting for the last episode of um, The Good Place, and Tom and I, like I said, have been watching Brooklyn Nine Nine. But he was studying at the time, so I didn't have. Um, I didn't want to work my way through it without him. So I ended up watching um, the marvelous Mrs. Maisel, which mm. is a, a show on Amazon Prime from um, Amy Sherman Palladino, who does Gilmore Girls. Oh, okay. Um, the series itself is about a uh, housewife in New York City in 1958. Um, she discovers she's got kind of. A knack for stand-up comedy um I, it was part of the amazon kind of um spring pilot season they do i miss all the amazon stuff because i don't have amazon prime oh, i never I, just, I never i watch, was not even aware of this well, i never watch any of it like transparency of an amazon program and i still haven't, no, I haven't to get watched around it. to it and they did um they did a pilot for sea oak which was based on a george saunders oh, short story God, yeah which i think we might have mentioned before but they never made that it, it didn't get didn't get made. Green Didn't get picked up. I've only the only thing I watched on Amazon was Man in High Castle. Oh yeah, well I think it. that went through the same kind of pilot yeah. um, process. So this one definitely got picked up, and a full season of it um, dropped in uh, the end of November, I think. And I'd been kind of. I knew that on paper it sounded like something I would enjoy, but I just sort of not really gotten round to it. And then with the um the Golden Globes recently, it won two. It won for best TV series, musical, com- musical or comedy, and um Rachel Brosnahan who um plays Midge Maisel, the titular Mrs Maisel, um she won best actress actress mm. for a musical or comedy. So it kind of you know came to my attention again. So I I got recommended it and I sat down to watch it and I in about I think I watched the first episode about ten p.m on a friday and then by the the following morning i'd watched another three episodes or something so i've yeah. lasted the first half of the season it's eight episodes so it's oh okay quite manageable. So it's, not, yeah. it's really really good it's a really nice kind of like period drama um it reminds me of mad men and its attention to detail mm. it's sort of like 1950s aesthetic is amazing the kind of oh, nice. just the sets they look incredible there's some really really great performances um rachel bosnahan as Mish Maisel, as i said is is wonderful um it's got alex borstein who plays um lois in family guy she's oh. acting and it's really really funny she's brilliant she plays Susie who's um, sort of a booking manager at the Gaslight Cafe in, in Greenwich Village which is where Midge goes and does some of her stand-up comedy um, Midge's husband as well was played by um, Michael Zagan who um, he plays her husband Joel um, I really like him 
Do you fancy him? I April? do, yeah. And it's really funny because he's not a nice person in the programme. Oh, that doesn't matter. But he was in... Does um, he look attractive, though? He's just quite cute. Yeah, that's fine. And he was in... He was in... The, you know the season of Girls where Hannah goes and briefly works at GQ? Yeah. He, he was... Is he one, in that? He was one of those oh, guys. And he's also... He was also in this HBO programme, um, How to Make It in America. Oh. Um, for a bit as well. And he's just... It was one of those things where I think I text you and I just said, like, it's really... I feel like a 12-year-old where <laughs> I, when you watch anything, you just have to... That's the rule, isn't it? Yeah. Yeah, that is definitely the rule. In TV and movies... But more so in TV, I think, because you're in it for the long haul. Yeah. You've got to fancy someone. There's got to be at least one person that I would sleep with. Um, uh, yeah, I mean, well, so Brooklyn Nine-Nine. in a sexy situation. Jake Peralta. Jake Peralta. Yeah, obviously. 100%. Obviously. Maybe so, a little bit of Terry Crews. <laughs> Maybe. He's just nice, Terry, isn't Exactly. He? I'd hang out with... I'd probably cuddle him. Yeah. But um, no, there has to be someone... But I just spent like I'm the... pretty sure we could probably go through most of the TV programs we've ever watched and just be like, yeah, this person. We should do that for an episode. That would be really funny. Um, just with people we want to sleep with. <laughs> yeah, we we'll list every program ever written and this made, is... and we'll just list Come the characters. Come a huge surprise to everyone. Yeah, right. This is our series. Things are only successful and get picked up if they've got like a sexy person in them. Yeah, well, you fancy Jughead in? Uh, in oh yeah, April. Right? Fa- I fancy everyone. <laughs> Fine. Fine. Anyway, Mrs. Maze was very, very good. I'm really looking forward to finishing um, the second half of the season. I really recommend anyone um, watch it if they're into that kind of thing. I mean, the, the way they talk is very similar to Gilmore Girls. It's very fast-paced. Yeah. Um, like us. Like us. It, but yeah, it is, um, it is really very good. Just on the podcast front, quickly, um, I've, I've been trying to listen to some new podcasts, but I find it really hard to like podcasts. As in, I love podcasts, but... There are so many factors that put me off things. Do you find that you need something very specific? Yeah. If someone hasn't got, like, the right tone of voice, I'm like, no, can't listen to you for hours on end. Or, I don't know, there's some, like, background noise that annoys me. Do you think people feel that way about us? Absolutely. That's why we don't have... Yeah, that's probably why we haven't (laughs) risen through the ranks of iTunes. That's Um, true. But two things that I have enjoyed... Go on. Stop laughing. Um... Uh, well, guess what the first one guess what genre the first one is is it true crime it is true crime you love true crime so Shut I love how much you love true crime and, and when it comes to true crime for me I have to, there has to be it has to be so specific <laughs> because so after we after everyone got really obsessed with serial yeah. and I was like oh a true crime podcast that could be a thing that I investigate and I, I tried so many and I was like do you know I just can't oh I just love them just, you listen to oh, like so many. Yeah, I'm getting through them now. There are still a few that I find annoying, so I can't listen Fine. to them. Um, but this one, uh, there's a new one uh, from the producers of Up and Vanished, which is a podcast I've mentioned before that's really good, Tenderfoot TV and How Stuff Works. Um, it's called Atlanta Monster. Sure. And um, it tells the story of the Atlanta child murders. That would be, um, a... yeah. which is... I was going to say, was it a visit about that? Yeah, funnily enough. Not about something else, completely <laughs> different. Um, but it's kind of, it's almost 40 years after they happened. For those who don't know the context, um, over 25 African-American children were kidnapped and murdered um, in Atlanta. Um, and they did arrest and imprison someone for it, um, which is slightly... It means the podcast kind of opens slightly different to a lot of the other ones I listen to, which are like cold case files. Yeah, I was going to say, because I suppose if they It's usually got... like, we, you know, we're reopening this to see if we can find out who yeah. did it. Um, and this one isn't. Um, but it says... I've only had... There's only... It's being released week by week. Oh, okay. So there's only been like three episodes so far. Um, and we've kind of got to the point where we've been introduced to the guy who was um, arrested... Um, and brought to justice for it. Um, 
So I'm kind of wondering whether it's where it's going to go. But um, the website synopsis says that it aims to find the truth and re-examine evidence. So I wonder whether they're going down the path of this guy might not actually be the one who oh, did it. Oh, interesting. Okay. Um, it's really, yeah, it's really good. It's really interesting. Um, the host is Payne Lindsay, who I don't... Most of the true crime podcasts I've really enjoyed have been female hosted. Mm-hmm. Um, so this is one of the rare ones that is hosted by a guy. And I think he does it really well because he... As, like, a white male, this really isn't, like, his... No, it's not necessarily his wheelhouse. It's not, no, it's not really his story to tell in many ways, but he kind of sits back and lets... uh, He's conducted lots of interviews with people who lived in Atlanta and were involved, and so they're able to kind of tell the story. So that's really good. I'd recommend that. Um, And also, um, uh, on a completely different note, I started listening to BuzzFeed's uh, Thirst Aid Kit. Good. Sure. Which you you or also yeah a fan I've been of. listening to for a while yeah um and I think I I have to admit I think I started listening to it because I was suspicious of them that they had stolen our idea <laughs> um because clearly it's the most original idea in the world but I was like it's called Thirst Aid Kit it's it a started, good name though <laughs> uh, it's better than ours um it started after our podcast and they just talk about celebrities that they want to have sex with which is basically our podcast except we do a bit more pop culture. Um, so I kind of started it thinking that I was just not going to enjoy it and was just being really suspicious on principle. Um, turns out it's really great. It's and so good. so funny. It's so good. I started um, listening to it because I um, I follow Bim on mm. Twitter and I have done for a while and I really like her, her writing. And yeah. when I saw that she was doing a podcast on this subject, I was like, that is, that's It's catnip. the dream, yeah. It's because she, she is, they are, both of them are just so, so funny. But they and feel I the just, exact same way as us about I just people. love, yeah, but like, you know, sometimes when we say things, I think like, oh, that's a bit much, but they go all out. Oh my God, some of the things so they've good. said. And my, my favourite bit is the... um the fanfic wars they do oh, so, so each episode is themed um either about a particular actor or you know celebrity type figure actors, or yeah. a type or something like that and then at the end they sort of write some fan fiction based on some the, some of the people they've been talking what about wonderful talent they have and it's so good it's great it's um so good. highlight episode so far uh colin farrell mm-hmm. whole episode dedicated to colin farrell which you know how i feel about that yeah um in which they acknowledge and discuss his sex tape at length which was really relieved to hear because I love that sex tape, and I'm just glad that other people have seen it. I did it. think that I, I, you texted me out of the blue and said you were thinking about Colin Farrell's sex tape. I did think like <laughs> just I was just sitting at home. You listening? Did you listen to that episode? And then when you were like, "Oh, I've started listening to this," I was like, "Yes, so good." good. Um, and the episode in which they were talking about basic men. Um, I'm very into that. As that well. episode was so real because a lot of it's really, really true. I agree with pretty much everything they yeah. said except Army Hammer. He's not basic, okay? Mm, he's, but he's gold. He's everyone classic. else. Um, completely agree with. It's amazing. <laughs> Drake's um, very basic. So anyone who's into that particular side of our podcast should probably listen to that as well. But I just maybe really you should like, invite us on tour with them. I would love that. I just like the fact they the fanfic thing for me is great. It's because it's like you know, fanfic is a thing that is. I mean, we've had a whole. I mean, we've had a whole conversation about it. We're so so the know, same. It's very prominent, but I like the fact that they kind of like le- legitimize it and make it very prominent in their epi- episodes. Yes, I, I think, think we need very... to chat to them via the internet <laughs> and be like, "Yo, let's Guys. hook up," because we we're basically just. It's really good. Cool. Everyone thing. should listen to that. Definitely. Um, on the music front, um, we put together a Spotify playlist of some of our best songs from 2017 and we've linked to it on Twitter, but we definitely recommend you um, look it up and follow it. Um, 
it's just some of the songs and albums or tracks from the album story that we mentioned in our end of year pod mm. um most is full of pop bangers which i really yeah. like i listen to it all the time it's pretty good i listened to it in the gym the other day yeah it's um, really good but where else are you gonna get like nine inch nails next to dua lipa really <laughs> i did love that um, i always have it on shuffle and that is the the fun of it is that it'll, be, it'll either like make magical pairings of like it's pretty fucking so the other day it was like charlie xcx dua lipa Kylie Rae Jepsen. Wonderful. And I was like that. And then Lord. And I was like, this is the this best is, thing ever. Yeah, or or it does go peak. from like all the really depressing songs I put onto it to like Nine Inch Nails and then to like Bleachers. <laughs> Although you put that bloody Marilyn Manson song on there. I like that it. kill, kill, kill. I hate that song. Why? It's just so it's really catchy. drab. It's, it's not, just it's so, so drab. And I can't, I think the video with Johnny Depp is probably just... Mm, that has tainted, tainted it Tainted it forever, but... God, that song winds me up. It's like it's been slowed down to a pace that does... Just... You could have taken oh, it off. I fucking hate it. I couldn't though, April, because it'd make you sad. Oh, um, and it's your opinion and it's valid, even <laughs> if it's wrong. It's a group playlist. Anyway, everyone should listen everyone to it. Everyone should listen to the playlist. So as we um, kind of alluded to um, earlier on, it's it's very much awards season. The Golden Globes happened a while ago. Um, and we also thought that we'd discuss the Oscar nominations because they came out um, this week or last week yeah yeah came out recently so it's like the only happy thing that's happened in january to be it has yeah it's a funny it's a funny time of year isn't it but i do like award season because it's sort of a it makes me reflect on everything kind of watched within the last year and also it's just sort of an excuse to excuse sorry to gawp at famous people and this year has been particularly interesting especially with the um the golden globes really interesting red carpet blackout so we thought we'd just have a sort of a general chat about that particular awards ceremony and then we would go into kind of doing some of our Oscars picks mm-hmm. and then we'll come back and see them. Um, Let's see how right we were. See April. how right we were. Um, the ceremony itself is in March, I think. So it's sort of a month from now. So we'll we'll do our picks and yep. then the person who gets the most won't win a prize because... There are no prizes. There are no prizes. There are no winners or losers either. Also, I think you probably have a much better idea about that sort of thing than I do. I just make shit up. Well, so. we'll um, we'll go. We'll see, won't we? We'll go from there. So this Golden Globes is sort of, you know, was in the press. It was being heralded as the first one to um, occur post Harvey Weinstein and all of mm. the kind of general um, sexual harassment. Um, news came to fruition the world was sort of waiting to see what was going to happen i think when all these famous people suddenly kind of have a platform come together well yeah come together and have a discussion it's the first high profile kind of event absolutely and i mean one of the things that happened at the start of this year was um the times up movement Mm. launched on the first of january it was sort of a a purposefully against uh, sexual harassment uh hollywood celebrities came together in in response to the weinstein effect and also just generally to kind of recognize the me too um hashtag and Mm. there's a sort of a bit for here from the press release that the movement put together it says inspired in part by me too movement times up goal is to expand the conversation beyond accusations of sexual harassment to include advocacy advocacy for those affected by it um it's made up by um lots of working groups and volunteers to address specific issues on equality in the workplace and one of the first things they decided that they wanted to do was called for everyone to wear black to the golden globes on the red carpet looked amazing it did look amazing it was to sort of show solidarity with those who have been victim to sexual harassment um in the industry and just more generally um lots of uh, celebrities have been very outspoken about their involvement Mm. i mean the list is is, is huge but just some standout people here i've got um natalie portman reese witherspoon jessica chastain michelle williams shonda rhimes tessa thompson ashley judd america ferrara um 
it was really, I mean, it was, it was weird because it was really, um, it was kind of a very empowering evening, but also of course came with some really heavy negatives and fallout afterwards. So it was amazing to see what felt like a very female dominated ceremony and to see all those women together. Mm-hmm. Bit awkward seeing like two people dressed in red. I know I did find Which it is a like bit... the polar opposite of black as well. It's it a really... bit strange, wasn't it? I can't imagine wanting to go down as being the person that didn't didn't wear black. Oh, it's just so awkward. That golden globes because it is going to be something that will be sort of told to both women about. just oh it was a bit awkward. Um but yeah, it was great to see everyone together. Oprah's speech was really it was very powerful. Great. Natalie Portman made a really great dig at one point. Oh yeah, she um so she was on stage announcing the um nominees for Best Director alongside Ron Howard. And as they they sort of, you know, did their little introduction, she said something along the lines of this is not verbatim, but she said, Here are the um, all male nominees. Yes. Which I thought was very, 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 very on point for her. The best thing as well is that they went around obviously when they do the headshots going around the crowd of people that are nominated you know when they announce who's nominated their faces were all picture as well they're <laughs> just like, just like Gile- Guillermo del Toro like... who eventually won his face was just sort of like yeah fair enough fair, not gonna... fair dues can't yeah, argue with play. that can't it is literally it. a fact yep. um, no comments in speeches from men no Hell surprise that... lots of people wearing badges for times up yes no well, this one is actually... this is the thing hasn't it it's been there's been a lot of um kind of criticism in the weeks after about people being at the ceremony showing their solidarity wearing the times up pins especially men mm-hmm. and then not actually having any follow through it's well easy to wear a pin badge isn't well it? yeah exactly and i think the thing that i found quite jarring um was you know like you say there are a lot of um female winners who used the opportunity when they had their acceptance speeches to either make reference to the Time's Up movement specifically mm-hmm. or just the air of... Just, just acknowledge the, it. Just acknowledging the atmosphere at the moment because it doesn't really take much. And um, Big Little Lies, HBO's mm-hmm. Big Little Lies um, had a few wins at the mm-hmm. ceremony one of which was Alexander Skarsgård. Yeah. And and considering that his role in that his character is a wife beater is someone who beats his wife you would think that would be a really good opportunity for him to raise awareness very timely mate very timely about you know all of the issues that the the movement and the press generally are talking about at the moment and he didn't Sam Rockwell didn't say anything either Mm -hmm. I just that for me just felt a bit like it wouldn't take much to even I mean um I really, really enjoyed Seth Meyers' opening Yeah, speech. I mean, he was the only one, really. Yeah, so he had, you know, he, he was hosting the ceremony and he has his sort of opening monologue. And I really, I really enjoyed that. He made purposeful reference, you know, he made digs at Harvey Weinstein, which is, you know, mm-hmm. fine. But then he did, there was a section towards the end where he did make reference yeah. to the, the actual movement itself and acknowledged how brilliant it was to see so many people joining mm-hmm. in and how it's a really great, you know thing that people should be getting involved with mm. which is fair play to him you know I really I thought you know you didn't have to do it no one has to do it but the fact that he that felt huge so I did feel very disappointed that a lot of people just refused to do so yeah because that for me just says a lot and part of me thinks that like the reason a lot of people a lot of guys don't do it is just because they think it might be a bit awkward to bring up it's like I don't care if it's awkward there are a million things in the world that are awkward to do but you just have to do them anyway you could just make I don't what, care about your awkwardness one sentence goes miles you know yeah absolutely just, just to just to acknowledge it you I just think. allude to it and just it's... to allude to acknowledge it to just you know make an offhand remark about how great and important it is that you know shows your acknowledgement that it's a thing that's happening rather mm-hmm. than not 
Exactly. You know what I mean? Um, and not to dwell too much on the negatives, but of course, James Franco is disgusting. Um, His acceptance he speech was really cringe. So it was much. so embarrassing. Considering that oh. he, so he he decided so to oh. he decided to take Tommy Wiseau on stage with him to accept his award. He won Best Actor for Musical or Comedy for his role in The Disaster Artist, in which he plays Tommy Wiseau, um, the director and writer of The Room. So he took Tommy on stage with him, but then Tommy went to say something in the mic, and there's just this really like cringe-inducing moment like where James Franco off. essentially pushes him off. And I just think like so that. Like you're taking the guy who's by reputation been overlooked and yeah, not acknowledged, like and you're not allowing him. You'll be. This speak. award is is recognizing your performance as playing him. Yeah. And 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 you won't even let him say anything. Anything. Like, um, what was the point of bringing him on stage then? Right, it was just. It was just, Ugh, I, just, just feel, stand there. I just feel very unsettled by it, and I'm very much off that I completely rescind my comments oh, from it's James so Franco. Much that we were just talking about yeah, that it's funny because I've been completely just not not involved. I've been very anti him, and I watched the Juice last year, and I really enjoyed the Disaster Artist, mm-hmm. but I just think everything. You're kinda... on a little James Franco high, and then he fucking he's just gross, it. isn't he? Um, so that's fine. At least he's proved himself. No more to chances. Be right. James Franco no. is erased. And it was a bit of a, it, I mean, it, it was a bit of a bummer to see that some of the, some of the other um, actors that I think we really love and respect um, didn't have, were wearing the Time's Up badges, but haven't made any kind of uh, donation um, to the cause. So Ewan McGregor, uh, David Harbour, Timothy Chalamet. Um, I did haven't. like, I did like the fact that there was that report that came out shortly after the Golden Globes, which listed those celebrities who had and hadn't. I'm glad we can do that given. now. Isn't that least. crazy though? I mean, the one thing about Timothy is that he, he did, has, yeah, he has since um, addressed the fact that he worked with Woody Allen and is you know, donating all of his salary from mm-hmm. the film, which is very good. Um, and he's a fucking kid, and he's he can a child. do that. Yeah, so I mean, he's, he's like putting some of the adults who have been in the industry for years well show. that's the thing isn't it i mean timothy's someone that is very of the moment but he's still very early in his career and he's mm. quite young he's only 23 i think so uh, but when you've got people that have had quite a long career and, and should know mm-hmm. better Ugh, just... but don't that's that's disappointing i mean the, for me the golden globes themselves did feel like a little bit of an anti-climax yeah and i have read quite a few articles that kind of address that but i think that's the problem is that because they were being hyped up as being a very prominent award ceremony where lots of you know people were going to be making gestures towards the charities mm-hmm. and all the things that have gone on i think it was inevitable yeah that it really was just going to fall feel a little bit flat yeah i'd probably give it a b minus yeah i mean it will be really we're going to talk about the oscars in a second but it be, will be really really interesting to see how the academy awards um sort of play out going forward yeah definitely so like i said the um the nominations for the um academy awards were um released on the 23rd of january mm-hmm. i think um and it's the 90th um anniversary of the awards this year um there are 24 categories and the nominees were announced by um tiffany haddish and um, andy circus in uh, beverly hills um just sort of we will go into them in more depth in a second but just some sort of like standout things to yeah. talk about um guillermo del toro is the shape of water um led the pack with 13 nominations yeah um which we haven't seen yet we haven't seen yet we're seeing it next week there are quite a few of these films actually that 
haven't been out in England yet and it makes it very hard to kind of predict what what would be my personal favourite. Yeah, we've got a rush coming up. We have got a rush coming up actually of things that are kind of nominated which are finally getting around We're to coming out here. We're going to have a wonderful February, here. aren't we? It's always, yeah, summer. it's always January and February where suddenly everything mm. comes out and there's a bit of a mad panic. So um, Shape of Water um, is out here soon but got 13 nominations. Um, three billboards outside Ebbing, Missouri um, got nine nominations. Mm-hmm. Uh, Dunkirk had eight. Um, all three of those films in particular um, were best no- uh, best picture nominations yeah. as well. Um, the award ceremony itself is going to be taking place on March the 4th, which is quite late. And I think it's because of the Winter Olympics. Yeah, it does feel quite late. Good for us because it gives us lots of time to catch oh, the up. Winter Ale- Olympics. Thank God we can watch that as well. Oh God, great. Um, so they're going to be hosted by Jimmy Kimmel um, for the second He's time. Right. Fine. He's fine. I like Jimmy Kimmel. Yeah, fine. It'll be interesting to see how he um, handles all this recent controversy. Yeah. So um, we'll go through some of the main... Um, the main kind of award nominations. Um, I'm, there are some that I'm not particularly. It's not that I don't acknowledge how brilliant the, some of the technical work is, but I shit about it. Really, that's not my. It's not. Uh, yeah, I'm it's not, not a my, technical person, April. I'm, I'm so superficial. I'm not an expert. So where's I wouldn't the know. where's the category for most so, handsome person? Can you imagine if they were? That would be like the smash. That is essentially was, lead actor for me. That well, it's a bit like the MTV awards where it's like best kiss. Yes. Oh my god. Yes. Oh my god. The teen music awards and things like that. Yeah. Teen music awards? Do you remember the year at, um, there was the ceremony where Rachel McAdams and Ryan Gosling won for Best Kiss for the oh Notebook? Oh my god. And they did that thing where they came on stage and they like ran together and they kissed. That was amazing. Wasn't it? I think about that all the time. That should be the way all things are going forward. Imagine if that happened at the Oscars. Anyway, Let's it won't do. Let's make our own ceremony. Anyway. <laughs> it won't do. Anyway. So, um, Best Picture, the nominations are um, Call Me By Your Name, Darkest Hour, Dunkirk, Get Out, Lady Bird, Phantom Thread, The Post, The Shape of Water and Three Billboards Outside of Ebbing, Missouri. Um, so, at the Golden Globes, uh, Three Billboards, one for Best Drama and Lady Bird, one for Best Musical slash Comedy. Um, the SAGs, um, because that's specifically about acting... Um, performances obviously there wasn't a best picture win but three billboards won for best ensemble cast um critics choice award the shape of water one and the gotham awards which are f- specifically for independent films um call me by your name came Yay. out on top um what is your pick in this category um this well this is a really hard category it's it's so g- i mean that is a really strong it's strong isn't films. it what the thing that stood out about about this to me was that actually it's the first year in a very very long time where i might have i might actually get the opportunity to see all of these and also the the films that i would want to see apart Mm. from maybe the exception of darkest hour because i'm not fast i don't really care about i might go and see it just to say i've done it but i mean i was just amazed they're all films that yeah i'm i'm either i loved because i've seen them or i'm looking forward to such as like yeah, phantom thread shape of water like I'm it's really just looking forward it to feels them. like a really really strong year i mean i've i've split my picks into what i personally want yeah. to win and what i think yeah. is going to win because often there's quite the divide between it mm-hmm. i mean i personally obviously would love call me by your name yes that to is win. same's um call me by your name would be my personal pick um Really enjoyed Dunkirk. Really enjoyed. I'm really glad Get Out is in there. Isn't That's it like great? phenomenal that it's. It's in amazing to me that 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 film is has been has been recognised. It's good, isn't it? Like I can't so believe exciting. that it's there. I mean, it's brilliant to see Lady Bird there um, as well. Greta I can't Berwick. wait to see that. We um, yeah. So Lady Bird, um, Phantom Thread, um, and The Shape of Water are not out here yet. No. So we're yeah we haven't seen them all the full spectrum. But um, I think I think Shape of Water will probably. I think it's going to be The Shape of Water. I think it's had so many nominations and I think it's... 
Although there has been a little bit of controversy in recently regarding potential plagiarism of oh, another yes, of play. Course. So it's in, it'll be interesting to see whether that affects it. It probably yeah. won't because I mean the voting is sort of taking place and it's it's sort of locked in. I think, mm-hmm. but um, yeah, I think Shape of Water will come out on top. I'd kind of, I'd all, I think I'd be pretty much happy for any of them. Probably I wouldn't be that fussed by Darkest Hour because I'm not that fussed, and I'm personally probably not going to go and see the post, but. Um, any of the others they're all great I'd be you pretty know. stoked yeah, yeah, completely. for any of them to win so oh, god it's, imagine it's if get good. out one I'd love that isn't that wouldn't that I mean that would blow my mind it'd be amazing um, so we would yeah if get out one that would be another one that wouldn't I'd be, be mad about it. so pleased about but yeah generally wouldn't be mad probably going to be show water yeah um, so uh, lead actor the nominations are Timothy Chalamet for Call Me By Your Name Daniel Day-Lewis for Phantom Thread Daniel Kaluuya for Get Out uh, Gary Oldman for Darkest Hour and Denzel Washington for Roman J. Israel Esquire. Which I didn't uh, even know was a film. I didn't even know that was a thing. Uh, Golden Globes, uh, Gary Oldman won for drama and James Franco won for a musical or comedy. Um, Gary Oldman also won at the SAGs and the Critics' Choice <laughs> Award. Um, Timothy won Best Breakthrough Actor at the Gotham Awards. Loving the Gotham um, Awards. I would love Timmy to win. Of that. course, we just want Timmy to win. He's not going to win it. No, Gary Oldman will win. Gary Oldman's going to win. And if Gary well. Oldman doesn't win, Daniel Day Lewis will win. I That's would be exceptionally happy if Daniel Day-Lewis won. I mean, we're seeing Phantom Thread next week and I'm really looking forward to it because I love um, Paul Thomas Anderson. And I also think that Daniel Day-Lewis is a is an exceptional actor. Yeah, he is. He, he doesn't even look like him in that No, do you know what's really funny? Trailer, um, it's crazy. Who's that guy that... Uh, Greg... That photographer that we both follow on Instagram that's friends with Tom Hardy. Oh, yeah, Greg. Yeah, Greg. <laughs> Can't really say name. It's Greg. brilliant. Wallace? No, that's the I guy. Off, that's the guy off MasterChef. I was going to call him Greg James, also not the same Greg. No. so hairy Greg. Anyway, that man, he had been posting some pictures this week from Damn behind man. the scenes of Phantom Thread, and Daniel Day Lewis just looks unrecognisable. It's crazy. He just loses it's himself crazy. in a role. I've, this is um, his role in the Phantom Thread is being billed as his last before he retires from acting. So mm, we'll that see. could kind of I don't know. I think it will it will be Gary Oldman if it's not as Daniel Day Lewis. I personally want Timothy to win or Daniel Kaluuya because. I would love would to see be, those two win. I mean, Although they're I, both young up-and-comers. That would be great. What's been really bumming me out, though, is that at every award ceremony, they keep being nominated and they just look really, like, peed off when they keep losing to Gary Oldman. I know. There was, like, it's a tough year. There was a clip of them both at the, the um, Golden Globes where they just look really fed up that they've <laughs> lost to him again and I just feel like same. Yeah. Agreed. Um, so that's how it's going to go. Um, lead actress. So we've got uh, Sally Hawkins for The Shape of Water, Frances McDormand for Three Billboards, Margot Robbie for I, Tonya, Saoirse Ronan for Lady Bird and Meryl Streep for The Post. Um, Frances McDormand's sort of been um, sweeping the board here. So she won uh, for Best Drama, Actresses in Drama at the Golden Globes and at the SAGs and at the Critics' Choice Awards. <laughs> Saoirse Ronan, on the flip side, won the Golden Globe for Musical or Comedy and she won at the Gotham Awards as well. Um, I think that um, Frances, Frances McDormand's McDormand. pretty much a shoe in here. I yep. think her performance in Three Billboards is exceptional. It's so wonderful. I'm not mad at it. Yeah. I would. Um, I haven't seen Lady Bird. Haven't seen um, Shape of Water or I Tonya. Yeah, I, I haven't seen any of the others. April. Uh, <laughs> so. Meryl Streep's performance in the post is fine, but it's very Meryl Streep. Is it Meryl Streepy? It's very Meryl Streep. So yeah, that's... I I think Frances McDormand will get it, and I think she deserves it. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I'd I'd love to see Saoirse Ronan. Um, win. I think this is her third nomination, mm. and she's very young. So it's again it's, young up and coming. It's so brilliant really cool. to see her there, but I reckon that Frances McDormand's uh, gonna do it. And um, quick sidebar, also that's the the award that Casey Affleck would traditionally have presented um, because he won uh, Best Actor last year. Um, but he won't be there. He won't be doing it. Ha. No. So I, I have a theory that because it is 
in the 90th anniversary i reckon they're going to use that as an excuse to mix things up so yeah. traditionally it is last year's best actor will present this year's best actress award and then mm-hmm. the best actress from last year presents best actor and, and vice versa yeah. all the way through um but i b- because casey has rightfully decided to not turn up um, aka his management have told him yeah don't fucking probably, do it. probably don't bother um i reckon they will use it as an excuse to sort of not do that anymore yeah and mix things up a bit and because it's quite a big anniversary i suppose that will be the excuse they give rather than realizing that he's not going to be there you know no it would have been very awkward and very weird wearing a time's up badge that would be more awkward um so supporting actor we've got uh, willem dafoe for the florida project uh woody harrelson and sam rockwell for three billboards uh richard jenkins for the shape of water and christopher Plummer for all the money in the world um sam rockwell like francis mcdormand has swept the board as well he won golden globes sags and and the Critics' Choice Award. Mm-hmm. Um, I pretty much think that he will win. get it. Um, I think his performance in the film is very good, and obviously it's really striking and really memorable. It is. I haven't sure. stopped thinking about it, and I think of those performances that I've seen in this category. Which I think that's the only one, isn't it? Him Don't you just really wish? that we went and saw the Florida Project. It's like one of my one of my huge regrets from last year. Biggest regret of your life. It's not going to see it. I, I can't believe we didn't go and see it. There was a reason why, but I'm I just don't think it worked bummed. out timing wise. No, I think there was something we were planning to go and then we couldn't. Just didn't do it. I mean, I really so liked um, Tangerine, which is Sean Baker, the director's other film, which is very kind of um, you know you, like, he uses lots of unknown actors and um william defoe's performance in this film is meant it's to quite be unusual for him this as well isn't it like it's not his usual no because when i think of william defoe i think weird, of someone weird creepy mm-hmm. like a total creeper he just a bit unsettling but in this he just seems you know to be playing against type so it would be nice if he got recognized to that i suppose give it to sam rockwell woody harrelson i'll be happy yeah i don't know if those two nominations will cancel each other out that's often a thing is that when is people that a thing? yeah there's always a sort of an uh, urban myth that if people get nominated for the same film yeah it cancels then it almost out. like cancels what, like them magic out. yeah because people just feel a bit like oh i don't want to pick you know they oh, both go, that kind of thing um i don't understand i don't really understand why christopher Plummer's nominated for all the money in the world that's the role where he took over from kevin spacey very last minute maybe people were just really impressed that he managed it <laughs> yeah but then it should be ridley scott that gets the accolade not christopher Plummer. Oh, all the, I don't all know, the Christopher well, don't Plum, ask me. All the Christopher Plum did was turn up. Ridley Scott was the one that had to edit it out. Anyway, Sam Rockwell. Oh, scathing, um, <laughs> scathing opinion there. So um, supporting actress. We've got Mary J. Blige for Mudbound, mm-hmm. Alison Janney for I, Tonya, Leslie Manville for Phantom Thread, Laurie Metcalf for Lady Bird, Octavia Spencer for The Shape of Water. Alison Janney's um, swept the board here. She won at the Golden Globes, the Sags and the Critic Choice. I think she probably is going to get the actress. From what I've... I mean, I haven't... Again, I haven't seen I, Tonya. I haven't seen... I haven't seen any of these performances um i think from what i've read it's a very very alice and janney performance which is sort of fine um i have no opinion i don't really have an opinion i just put probably alice and janney so probably alice we'll move on from this we're going from yeah so, uh, Best Director, um, we've got uh, Christopher Nolan for Dunkirk, Jordan Peele for Get Out, Greta Gerwig for Lady Bird, Paul Thomas Anderson for Phantom Thread, and Guillermo del Toro for uh, The Shape of Water. Um, Guillermo has won at the Golden Globes and the Critics' Choice Awards, and Jordan Peele won for uh, Breakthrough Director at the Gotham Awards. So um, good. I would absolutely love to see Greta Gerwig 
Goeg or Jordan Peele win. Yeah, me too. I, I think, think it's brilliant that they're both nominated. Yeah, it's really yeah. It's first time, cool. first films for both of them as well. First time directors. Imagine being nominated for your first film. That's brilliant. it's amazing, isn't it? I mean, um, I love Paul Thomas Anderson, and it's great to see him nominated here as well. Mm-hmm. He doesn't make films very often. Um, you know, there's often sort of lots of years in between them. Um. So it's sort of really nice to see him nominated here. I think it's going to be Guillermo del Toro, though. I definitely think it will be. Um, Christopher Nolan, Dunkirk, was brilliantly directed. It's um, his shortest film as well, which I think is interesting. I think this is his first nomination, really... maybe, for oh, this particular really? category. Yeah, and it's his shortest film. Which I mean, it was a, It'll be a shape of water. It'll be a shape but... of water, so... Um, so just some other things that I sort of wanted to chat about in terms mm. of what I have interest in. I, th- I would really like to see um, James Ivory win for um, his best adaptive screenplay for Call Me By Your Name, having oh God, yes. read the book recently. and I've also read the book also recently. Read, I think it was... And it a, killed me. It, the book itself is obviously exceptional. And I think now... It's so closely adapted. It's really is, it's isn't it? And like I, for like. I don't know it's about you. I, I'm really glad that I did it this way around. I'm mm-hmm. glad that I saw the film and then read yeah. the book. Because there are elements of the book that are... I mean, the book itself is written from Elio's perspective, whereas the film obviously is, is not. Um, and there are elements of the, the book that I think... Um, you know, there's the kind of the time lapse as well. Towards and he kept the, the peach. He did keep the peach. I just think it was a brilliant adaptation. It was, yeah, really, really well deserved. Really, I mean, I think it's interesting that um, Scott Frank and James Mangold and Michael Green are nominated for Logan because it's a superhero film, technically. Do you know what? I didn't, and I didn't even know Logan was adapted from something. So, is it a comic book? You well, yeah, it's based on a bunch of different Wolverine stories. Oh, so it's oh okay, and the so fact that it's from Wolverine is yeah, why it's adapted. That kind of thing. So mm, that kind of makes sense, doesn't that? Um, for original screenplay, um, I think it's it's amazing to see um again Jordan Peele nominated for Get Out, Brilliant. um Greta Gerwig for Lady Bird as well. It's really great to see um Emily Gordon and Kumail Nanjiani for um The Big Sick, mm. which was a film I really enjoyed. It was based on their own personal experiences of when they met and fell in love. I think the screenplay, well, I mean, bearing in mind, it's very difficult for me to say I've only seen two of them, but um for me, Three Billboards screenplay really stands out. But um we'll see. Yeah, it'll be interesting. Uh, Martin McDonald did win. win? Um, well, Martin McDonald won the Golden Globe and then Jordan Peele won at Critics' Choice in Gotham. I think that Jordan Peele might get it for this. That would be very exciting. Yeah, I think that I think that while I would like to see him win for Best Director, I don't think he'll get no, it. But I, I have a competition's too fierce. For I that. have a feeling he might eke it um, in this particular category. Um, on to cinematography. I really, really fucking hope that Roger Deakins wins for Blade Runner twenty forty nine. Yeah, I think that might be a given yeah well i, mean, I don't know Actually, no well water. You, you say that um roger deakins has been nominated many times for various different things he's done over the years and he still hasn't won an oscar Ooh. so um and and on blade runner 2049 i have exceptionally mixed feelings about it now more time has passed but the one thing that i do think is that it was very visually stunning it and, and it's very 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 on point for roger deakins so i would love to see him um, win um, on the score front as well so a very interesting category we've got um, Hans Zimmer for Dunkirk uh, Johnny Greenwood for Phantom Thread Alexandra Desplat for um, The Shape of Water John Williams for The Last Jedi and Carter Burwell for um, Three Billboards there's sort of some really kind of like big names when mm. it comes to kind of music for um, films I'm quite pleased to see Johnny Greenwood in there for Phantom Thread yeah. though we haven't seen it mm-hmm. um, there was uh, in the for the awards that um, took place when 
um, there will be blood came out. There was a big controversy because um, Johnny Greenwood's score for that particular Paul Thomas Anderson film is phenomenal. Yeah. But he wasn't eligible to be nominated because a piece of music in that was included in the score was something that he'd written for something else. Oh no. And they're a really stupid Ooh, like technical. Yeah, it was it was a really dumb technicality. And I was listening to an interview with Paul Thomas Anderson God, and he and he that. alluded to that and how it was ridiculous. So it's great to see Johnny Greenwood there. Um Hans Zimmer though for Dunkirk. Uh, I mean Dunkirk's score was unreal. I always love his work with Christopher Nolan mm-hmm. and I, I mean that I f- would be well deserved. I felt very sick throughout Dunkirk yeah. and a lot of that had to do with had the music. To do with school, so. right. And um and finally, um if if Sufjan Stevens does not win Best Original Song for Mystery of Love for Call Me by Your Name. I'm leaving. Just done. We're the ending world. the podcast. I'm leaving so happened, planet Earth. Ending the I just want to see. I'm so excited that Sufjan might be at the Oscars and that he might have to wear a tuxedo and that he'll probably wear a baseball cat with it because he always wears baseball caps. Cash. And I will cry because I, I listen find to that. it weird that he wears baseball caps, you know. It shouldn't work. It doesn't it match with the voice no. and the sound. He dresses like he is going to a Fall Out Boy concert just, in 2005. It just doesn't match up. No, but he's adorable. I love him so much. Um, I'd probably get it because they, I mean, they're, they're looking I... to you, April. <laughs> yeah, right. I, I don't know if he will or not. I think it might be that annoying song from The Greatest Showman. I mean, that one at the Golden Globes and the Critics' Choice Award winner was um, from Coco. Oh, then you fucked then. So he probably is not going to get it, but isn't it great that he's going to be at the Yay! ceremony? Um, so that's our kind of um, brief look at the Academy Awards and some our half-assed predictions. <laughs> some half-assed predictions. Um, the BAFTA nominations as well came out, and they are happening in a couple of weeks' time. I'm not going to go through all of these because they're quite lengthy, but um, because they are the British kind of film awards, there are um, some different categories. Um, outstanding British film is Darkest Hour, The Death of Stalin, God's Own Country, Lady Macbeth, Paddington Two, and Three Billboards. Yeah, um, which is it, a really interesting mixture. It's an interesting mix. I it's good to see. God, uh, God's Own Country and Lady Macbeth yeah, in there, two good. films I very much enjoyed from last year. Um, on the Best Director front, we've got um, Denis Villeneuve for um, Blade Runner, yes. um, Luca Guadagnino for yep. Call Me By Your Name, Christopher Nolan for Dunkirk, uh, Guillermo del Toro for Shape of Water, and Martin McDonough for Three Billboards. Um, I would like to see Luca or Denis win. Um, yes. Probably won't happen though. It probably will be Guillermo del Toro. Yeah, it will be. Um, and the other category I usually really like at the BAFTAs is the E Rising Star Award. It's the one that's voted for by the public, and the nominations are usually fairly young or new actors. Um, and this year it's Daniel Kaluuya, Florence Pugh, um, Josh O'Connor. Tessa Thompson and Timothy Chalamet. I reckon Timmy's going to do this. Timmy's you know? going to sweep the board on this one because the internet has gone absolutely bonkers. Because it's for voted them. for by the public. Everyone loves Timmy. It's a shoe in. It's just an absolute shoe in. It'll I be. Think. It'll be Dan. It'll be. It'll be Timothy or Daniel. I reckon. Yeah, but it'll be Timothy. But when we're realistic, it'll be Timothy. Imagine I like, if it's not. <laughs> I like to imagine Timothy doing his exception speech because all of his exception speeches so far. There was one he did. I think it might have been the Gotham's where he made reference to Cardi B in his acceptance speech. <sighs> Which is going to date horribly, but it just shows how much of a dweeb he is. What a dweeb. So that's our little awards roundup. We'll be checking back in. um, Probably do it after the Oscars, I reckon. I think we should check back in after the awards have happened rather than before. (laughs) I'm going to win. I'm going to win our little Can someone donate a prize? I don't. I literally don't care what it is. Just donate a prize. If I win, you have to go out dressed like a chicken. I'm not doing that. Are you fucking kidding me? That works under the assumption that we have a chicken costume to hand. We don't, so... If I win, you never go out again. 
So that's, that's a win for me. I don't like leaving the house. So obsession of the week. What's your obsession of the week? Um, I've got two. Go on. Um, the first one um, is that our, my best friend Ashley had a baby. She bloody did as well. Ashley had a baby called William. William Robinson Bruff. <sighs> Uh, welcome to the world. You're my obsession of the week. You're probably going to be my obsession of 2018 and all of the rest of time. What a way to kick off the year. Yes, a lovely way to kick off the year, especially because January's not great. I find January really hard, yeah. generally. I found this January a lot harder for some unknown reason, um, and this has really helped and pulled me out of it. So thanks, William. Thanks, you don't William. even know it yet. Happy birthday. You probably birthday. would never hear this, but thanks, mate. You might listen to it when he's 18, when Ashley finally allows him to listen because it's got swearing in Will it. Will we still have podcasts then? Um, Yes, maybe. Okay. We'll have them on tape. He can listen we back. We can put it in a time capsule for oh him. Oh my God, bury it in his garden next to my guinea pig. That's one of my obsessions of the week. Yeah. My other one is that I actually really fancy Woody Harrelson. That's fine. Um, That's acceptable. I think I fancy him seen. Well. Yeah, 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 definitely. I've seen Three Boards twice now. Yeah. I just really fancy him. Um, I could I'm, listen to him talk forever. He's got such a satisfying voice. He's got a great voice. And um, he's just a big old hippie really, isn't he? He's so chill as fuck. He lives in Hawaii with his family. He doesn't smoke weed anymore. But, but to... he is a hemp activist. <laughs> but he used to be a really big advocate. What's a hemp activist? Just likes things that are made from hemp. I'm a salt and vinegar chipstick activist, personally. I think he drinks hemp milk. I hope... Yeah, he definitely drinks hemp milk. Have you ever had hemp milk? No. It's not very I'm not nice. a hippie, April. Um... <laughs> But also, um, he owns, like, the world's only organic vegan beer garden. I love that he's vegan so much. It makes me so happy. I read a thing um, recently about the girl from Stranger Things, Sadie Sink. Yes. And she was in a film with Woody Harrelson. And um, she said that she went vegan. Because of him. Because of him and his family. She spent a lot of time with him and his family. And they educated her in the ways of being vegan. And I thought, that's really cool. If anyone was going to turn you vegan, it being Woody Harrelson's pretty cool as fuck. Yeah. Um, What's your obsession of the week, April? Well, I feel a bit like a broken record, but my obsession of the week is Army Hammer. Is it? But the, the you spe- surprise me. The specific Army Hammer in an Adidas tracksuit. Oh, he's going through a proper tracksuit. He's going thing. through a phase at the moment. Um, his wife Elizabeth Chambers has nicknamed it Le Tracksuit because he wore it on this press this press tour that they went to to France and Italy for Call Me by Your Name, and there was all these pictures of like Luca and Timothy and Army doing doing lots of press together, and and Timothy's there looking very smart, and so is Luca's in like a you know three piece suit and then army's wandering around in like an adidas tracksuit and a pair of stan smiths i mean it's very louis what i enjoy is it's so louis it's very louis i enjoyed that he had a black one which he wore to the louvre which i thought was quite good very you know that's acceptable there was a red one yeah a bright red one and And then there was a slightly green olive green Mm -hmm. one as well which i think was spot had spots polka dot yeah it was very nice he's into this now isn't he does that make it like acceptable for all of us to do I that. think we should go and buy a tracksuit. Yeah, just but an Adidas because, one. Yeah, specifically Adidas. So one. we just got striped right down the side. Yeah, and um, it just looked really it's funny. Very good, there were just but... lots of funny pictures of like his wife looking amazingly glamorous and dressed up. I think or, I'd probably be pissed off. Or all these know, functions, actually. and he's just wearing this tracksuit. Yeah, especially with I always feel like I have to make loads of effort to just go out of the house anyway. I got the and impression not scare people, that so she was probably annoyed about it, but then she just decided to claim it as this hilarious thing because the press were picking up on it quite a lot. Yeah, that he of was. It was a thing that he was doing. Like, Armand, why are you doing that? I mean, I can understand. The first picture was was him on a plane travelling in it. Which is fine. Fine. Because, you know, flying's very stressful. That's completely fine. But then it just became a thing to, to wear out in public, which is a little bit much. But I'm here for it. So Waiting for Timothy to copy him now. 
I think I would die. Yeah, I think I would die. Matching. So thanks, Army. Um, so that's our 14th episode. You can find us online with Twitter at the Thirst, soundcloud.com forward slash the Thirst Pod. You can find us on iTunes by searching for the Thirst. Instagram, we're at the Thirst Pod. Our Tumblr is the thirstpod.tumblr.com. And you can email us, of course, the Thirstpod at gmail.com. Uh, bye. Goodbye. <laughs> Right, it's recording now. Just yeah. So. <laughs> um. <laughs>